The Houston Rockets have a new team playing courtesy of owner Tillman Fertitta. What that says about the organization and the investment into the Houston Rockets, as well as touching base on Jalen Green and Alperin Shingun and how they both looked as future franchise cornerstones in the Cleveland Cavaliers game. And then lastly, we're going to talk about James Harden and his struggles with the Brooklyn Nets and how that may or may not impact the Houston Rockets moving forward. All of that and more coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and also host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, where we sincerely thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. Joining us as he does each and every week. We missed him last week because I was sick. We had to take a rain a rain check day for the pod. But joining us as always for his weekly stop by is one Roosh Williams, host of the Noble and Roosh Show by BallIsLife.com, the number one podcast by BallIsLife.com. Check it out wherever you listen to your podcast. Roosh, how's it going, my guy? Man, I'm living good. It's cold. Um, it's very cold. I just delivered. We're both bundled up, man. We're just like... I- I just delivered some buckets to some youths and, uh, you know, dog walked some goddamn morons at the gym and um, let's talk rockets, man. You know, it's going to be really funny is if the the guys that you uh, schooled at the gym are actually like LOR fans and they're like, yo, this is the guy. <laughs> like he was, I he hope. was giving us buckets at the gym. No, uh, I hope you know that's happened. It happened one time I was hooping and people, you know, some people are like, they always introduce themselves and they'll be like, Hey, my name's so-and-so what's your name? And um, I was like, yeah, Roosh. And they were like, cool, Roosh? <laughs> like, Rocket <laughs> Roosh? And I was like, yeah. And then they were like, oh, my God. <laughs> and everyone, and I was just like, oh, God, okay. I hope I don't miss my shots now because now I'm going to look <laughs> like an idiot. Suddenly, um, there's a, suddenly there's a bunch of pressure that wasn't there before. But um, right, yeah, yeah, no, right. I, was, I was ready to fight one of you, but no, I'm kidding. But, um, <laughs> you know, they were good, though. They were good, good players. All right, let's get into it today. We've got a handful of uh, topics, kind of a melting pot type episode here that we want to get into. Talk a little bit about uh, the Rockets' brand new tricked out charter jet that they just got courtesy of owner Tillman Fertitta. We're going to talk a little bit about Jalen Green and Alper and Shingun and, and just kind of obviously they're the two cornerstones for this Rockets franchise moving forward. And then also... We're going to revisit our old pal James Harden and just, you know, kind of the struggles going on with him and, and that Brooklyn Nets team and the fact that sometimes the grass isn't always greener on the other side. But let's start with the new Jet, Roosh. So we, we we get the news today. It's all over social media. You got the Rockets players posting about it. They're flying out to go to their game in San Antonio this Friday, and they ship out, and all these Rockets players start posting on their IGs and everything, stories of this brand new tricked out jet that they have, their new charter plane with the Rockets logo on the side and everything, and you got David Nwaba's IG going off about it. Josh Christopher did an Instagram live. Garrison Matthews is posting about it. Jay Sean Tate had the story. He was thanking Tillman Fertitta in his story, showing appreciation there for the, the Rockets owner, shelling out a little bit of cash to get 
a new, you know, tricked out jet for the team. And honestly, I, I, one, I was blown away by it. It was really cool just to see all the players kind of reacting to how nice that jet looked, man. Yeah. I mean, look, you got to give credit to, uh, to the, to the man himself, Tilbo Baggins, uh, <laughs> Buffalo Till, uh, Roosh Tilliams, you know, no, but, uh, <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> you got to give credit to Tillman Fertitta though. Seriously. Um, I mean, I, I would have to imagine that the plane, right. Where they're playing half of the season and spending half of their season on a plane being state of the art, awesome, upgraded, like, you know, whatever it has to make a difference. You know, I mean, I, I tweeted that, uh, that, that, that was culture baby. And I was, I mean, I was kind of kidding, but at the same time, I, I'm being kind of serious because it's little things like that. Right. I'm sure. I mean, we're not going to be a hot spot for free agents. For a while most likely but when we become one um things like that i would imagine will make their rounds and, and players talk and say yo like <laughs> when we hit the road we're not like we're not tripping at all like this this thing is nice you know um and it's just an investment in the team you know so you got to give them credit um you know a, a lot of people had a lot of bad things to say about him probably myself included as well in the past and we were all worried about the transition of power and <clears throat> how he handled things, how we perceived that he handled things. And then Daryl Morey leaving and like, yo, we were like, man, we, I don't want to become the Knicks of the South. And we'll see what ends up happening with the franchise. But uh, you do got to tip, tip your cap to how he's handling the rebuild. I mean, he's in the background. You know, we, we really haven't heard from him as far as the Rockets go. And as a fan base, we've been given the opportunity to just focus on basketball. And that's really all you could ask for, you know, tune out the dramatics, the drama, the dramatics. Tune out the drama, the extra noise, and just focus on on basketball, dude. We're, like everything we talk about this season, everything we've argued about, it's been about basketball or how they're using players, or you know, it, it has nothing has had nothing to do with how the franchise has been run. And so for that, I'm thankful. Um, and yeah, man, I mean, it's cool. It's a good good sign. So I, as a fan base, I don't know. I don't think you can really ask for much more. Yeah, I think optically too, I think you hit a great point there about, you know, future free agents and kind of looking at little things like at the margin kind of things like this, right? Is the, the way that they take care of their players, the way that they take care of the organization, all of that. It's everything you want to see out of an NBA owner at this point. And like yourself, right? I, I may, you know, I've, I've been critical of what they've done in the past, you know, stuff with the luxury tax, all that stuff. But since the rebuild has kind of started and since they've been in this position, I think he's, you know, been kind of in the background and allowing Rockets, you know, uh, operationally at the front office to just kind of do their thing, to focus on the basketball side of things. And that's been great to see. And we know for a fact, thanks to uh, Felicia Stone via her Twitter hashtag sources say uh, that the Rockets may also have a new practice facility on the way as well. So it might not just be a private jet, you know, new charter jet that Silma Fertitta is shelling out for, but he might be getting ready to construct or put together a new practice facility. Cause right now, it's really unfortunate. The Rockets have one of, if not the worst practice facility in the entire NBA. I used to think it was really cool how like they had the practice gym like attached to the side of Toyota Center and you could like peek inside and see what was up. But compared to some of the other practice facilities that are out there, it's just it is not up to snuff compared to what the other the rest of the NBA has, unfortunately. Up to snuff. Is that what you said? I did say up to snuff. Do you got an issue with that statement? I mean, that's. Um, it's like out of like an old school Christmas movie or something. It's not up to snuff, Grandpa. But okay, um, well, Mr. Grandpa, you are now Roosh Tilliams for the rest of this podcast via our YouTube <laughs> viewers. So I made that on the fly just for you, buddy boy. So which that, one was your favorite, Roosh Tilliams, Buffalo Till, or Tilbo Baggins? <laughs> 
I think Roosh Tilliam sent me, but I think Tilbo Baggins is pretty incredible. So you come up with all those on the fly. No, it's it's just Buffalo one of those. Where I think- no, but I, I mean, I agree with you, though. And, yeah. and uh, you know, it, it's a it's a small it's a small world, the NBA, you know, so people talk and like it's one of those things where you catch wind of how things are at another franchise or another organization. And guys want that, you know, and I'm not saying guys are going to leave the, you know, I almost said the Lakers, the Lakers stink at the moment. They're not going to leave whatever the Warriors to go to the Rockets because of the team playing. But um, again, like they spend half of the season on that plane. You bond there as a team, you know, you unwind there. Like just having that at your disposal has to be better than not having that at your disposal. You know, it's, it's just cool. It's a cool little thing to have. And again, it's cool that he's, he's investing in in the team and if the practice facility does come through then that only furthers that kind of thinking um so i mean i don't know good stuff man it's it's hard it's hard to be mad at that you know so i think it's pretty cool and you know we've seen <clears throat> excuse me we've seen him <clears throat> god damn use his resources for for various things right like um before the draft like jalen green pictures leaked of jalen green on what was you know clearly his jet right um, and they were eating, I think, Landry's or whatever it was, uh, you know, training camp. Didn't they go on like his, his, I think, yacht or something like that? Yeah, his private right? yacht, yeah. So he's just making facilities available and, and and things available to the team and the players. And like, I, I think that's cool. I don't know what other teams do, but I, I don't know. I don't see these kinds of stories with like James Dolan, for example, right? So it's better than, it's better than it not being the case. So the, I guess I'll, I'll finish my thoughts on it by saying that um, the fact that we are just not talking about Tillman at all is good, right? Like that's what we, when he made some comments a few years ago and Maury was always in, Daryl Maury was always in the media making comments and, you know, ESPN would, would focus or Twitter or whatever would focus on like what they said or what Maury said or what, you know, it like that. Remember how, how annoying that stuff got the Warriors yeah. audit or whatever, which was Maury that wasn't Tillman, but like as fans, dude, that's not, we're not here to talk about that crap and speculating on that crap is no fun because we have no clue. So we just want to talk about basketball. So I, I would, I guess, take this moment to briefly point out that we have been focused on basketball again. You know, we have not, his, his name has not come up. Um, so you got to tip your cap because his book is shut up and listen. And fans had a lot of criticism again, myself included. Um, and it seems like he's he's learning on the fly, you know? So, I mean, as far as I can tell, Rafael Stone has full autonomy to be the general manager of this team and to do what he does, you know? I have never, based on conversations I've had and based on being around certain situations, I have never seen or gotten the inkling that, you know, Tillman Fertitta is, like, meddling with the team, contrary to what a lot of people might think. And, that's like, again, that's a good thing. You don't want your owner to be doing that kind of stuff. Right. Like, like what's yeah. the owner of the Suns, Robert Sarver. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> and Suns are, you know, that's they're, that. they're playing well, good basketball, but that's, you know, the Sarver's at the you know forefront of a lot of stories because of the way that he's handling things over there. So yeah, could be that you could have Dolan like beefing with Charles Oakley, which is so stupid and random. You could have the Lakers beefing with Jerry West, which is so sad and stupid. Uh, Mark Cuban has had success, but there are times where Mark Cuban is just like unnecessarily in the spotlight. And I'm sure Mavs fans are like, God damn it, please stop. So, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm just happy that we're talking about basketball. We're talking about rookies. We're talking about draft picks. We're talking about trade assets, development, you know, all that kind of crap. So 
Good stuff. A lot of a lot of positives for sure, and you know, a lot of basketball discussion to be had for better or for worse, because sometimes it can be for the worse when it comes to Rockets Twitter and some of the discourse on there. But coming up, we want to talk about the two Rockets cornerstones moving forward: Jalen Green, Alperin Shingun. We're gonna get there in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game in a couple weeks. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up to the minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game starts. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. Got the NBA trade deadline right around the corner, February 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And the Locked on NBA podcast is going to be doing a live breakdown show of everything going on around the trade deadline from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Be sure to check it out. Subscribe to the Locked on NBA YouTube channel. Turn on your notifications so you know when the show goes live. And hey, if the Rockets do something at the deadline, you know I'm going to be there to break it all down. Now, Let's talk a little about Jalen Green and Alperin Shingun, who both had really strong nights against the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, the most recent game for the Houston Rockets. And uh, come away, their stat lines, Jalen Green, 21, five boards, five assists, had a steal, had a block, six of 13 shooting. And then Alperin Shingun off the bench, had the nine points, eight rebounds, three assists, had a block that turned into a beautiful transition dunk for K.J. Martin. Uh, did have four turnovers, uh, but got to the free throw line a ton in that game. Six six trips there, hit five of them. Honestly, Roosh, this was one of those games where I think we've been kind of waiting for this as like fans of the team to see Jalen kind of have another one of these like breakout type performances, kind of knock, I, I don't want to say knock the rust off, but right? he's been in, in that bit of a shooting slump as of late. And then to also see Al P get some extended burn off the bench and be able to impact the game in a positive way on not just the offensive side of the floor, which has been come, become kind of the norm with him, but defensively, he also had some really impressive stops on Jarrett Allen, Evan Mobley, Kevin Love, kind of holding his own against some of those bigger guys. And I think that was kind of highlighted by the fact that we saw Christian Wood struggling so much at times to contain Evan Mobley. Meanwhile, Alperin Shingun's like, yeah, this is just like stopping Mobley. Sure, I got this. Like, no problem. Sorry, I was laughing because I forgot that you had changed my name to Roosh Tilliams and then I saw it again. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> first of all, just talking about the difference in defense with Shingun and Christian Wood. Shingun is listed at 240 um, on ESPN.com. I don't know if that's changed. 243. Christian Wood is listed at 214. So that's significant. 30 pounds, you know, that's that's nothing to scoff at. Uh, Jalen Green had zero turnovers. You forgot to mention that. Zero turnovers. LP did have four turnovers. He's he's still clumsy with his hands in traffic. Um, he's he's got to get used to. He got ripped from behind once in transition. He lost a couple in traffic, um, and so he's got to get better at that. But I agree with you, man. I mean, it was the kind of game. It was a break. It felt like a breakout game, and it felt like Jalen and and credit to Silas for playing Jalen thirty six minutes, team leading thirty six minutes, um, <clears throat> and Shangun played twenty five, which is you know one of the highest he's played all season, and. Shangun was subbed in early, I think like around the five or six minute mark, maybe the four minute mark or something. Usually he comes in with like two minutes left in the in the first quarter. Sometimes he comes in in the second quarter. Um, so credit to Silas for for doing that. But look, we finally saw Jalen Green gets the ball in his hands and he's looks like a much better player. Looks like a much more confident player. 
And sometimes that's just what you need. You just need the ball. Um, he was driving to the basket. He was fluid. I mean, the things that we've been criticizing, like saying the skill wasn't as advertised, the layup package wasn't there. Last night it was. He uh, he had that one move on Isaac Okoro, who's a good defender. Um, I posted on my Twitter. He just sauced him up, crossed him up, boom, got the and one with a nice little finish. I think he switched hands in midair and finished. He had one in transition where he went up with his left uh, and finished a contested layup with his left off the glass. Really beautiful finish. Three of seven from three. I think he had one that almost dropped as well. Could have been four of seven, but, you know, uh, went to the free throw line as well. Seven times, six of seven, five dimes, five boards. Like he is not just a micro, a microwave scorer. He's not Tim Hardaway Jr. You know, he's not, hey, just he's not Jordan be- Clarkson. <laughs> well, well, um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's, it's, you know, he's not the guy that you say, hey, go sit at the three point line and just wait and then we'll get you the rock and, and whip it, you know? And that's how he's been used. And so he's the kind of guy that's like, hey, he ran a pick and roll. He had this one play where he ran a pick and roll with Alp, um, and Alp rolls, set a nice screen, rolled. Kevin Love like gets Kevin Love. So look, this is the. Let's see where we at. Okay, this is the three. Oh, let's move. We're we're an we're an audio only platform for the podcast listeners, Rush. So you can't just use your hand for the YouTube guys. <laughs> we okay, learned this fine. lesson with Alicon. You got to right, visually fine. describe it. Fine. Come okay, on, Mas- Mastodon, you can do this. The Mastodon. So, from the right elbow, from beyond the three point line, Alpi comes up and sets a pick on the left side. So, if you're the defender with your back to the basket, Alpi sets the pick on the defender's right shoulder. Jalen drives to his left. Alpi rolls in the left corner. Christian Wood is standing there. Kevin Love is guarding Christian Wood in the left corner. Because of the pick and roll action, Kevin Love gets sucked in and helps off. Jalen penetrates with a quick first step and immediately finds Wood in the shooting pocket assist three. Um, So we saw that, right? We saw two times in, I think, the second quarter, Jalen Green had the ball handling on the left side of the wing. He did his, like, dribble package, boom, boom, boom. Uh, Didn't really go anywhere the first time, but he drew – a help defender from under the basket and he had he he forced the defenders to just turn their head and watch him and then he whipped it right to Eric <clears throat> Eric Gordon Mobley was helping off and shading because if he didn't then Jalen would have had a drive to his right to the basket gives it to Eric Gordon boom assist three does the same thing a few plays later drives baseline hits KJ in the corner draws help defenders from guys that are camped out and basically gets a situation where he has KJ in the corner and Eric Gordon on the elbow so, and they're being split by one defender. So that defender had to pick like where to go. Jalen gets it to KJ. KJ takes two dribbles to the paint, flips it up, boom, assist, basket. Like he is capable of doing those things. Okay. And we haven't given him the chance to do that too often. But I do think he's going to hit his full potential when he's able to do that. And then, and then Alp, eight point, uh, nine points on four shots. Like who does that? You know, uh, six free throw attempts. We already talked about the turnovers, but nine points, eight boards, three assists. And some of those, he had a couple like beautiful passes. He had one behind the back bounce pass to Jay Sean Tate that should have been an assist, but Tate smoked the layup. And then he had one flip over the shoulder to KJ Martin and KJ Martin got fouled. So a lot of potential assists, but like, dude, these guys make plays when they have the ball and they're less effective and they look much worse and much more timid and much less NBA ready when they're just kind of used as ancillary pieces that like, you know, aren't really in the flow of the offense, but finally silas like broke out the glass you know he broke the glass and and busted out the emergency weapons and let them do their thing they're both 19 man and they just busted the calves up you know lp was a plus 20 in 25 minutes so that's that's what i want to see and i hope that the trade deadline gives us an opportunity to see more of that 
And Alpi had that one. Uh, I, I forgot to mention this in the uh, the recap pod, but Alpi had that huge slam. Uh, you know, right? It was. It, it's tough because I really want to poster. I, I well, see. The problem is, is like when it's it, when I got all these notes over here. I'm doing a solo pod occasionally. Like I'll whiff on something, right? And so that was me. I whiffed on not mentioning the LP poster. I, it's tough for me to call it a poster on Mobley though, because it looked like Mobley was in prime position to really try and block that. And he gave like a half-hearted attempt to like swing his arm in there from the side. I don't no, think because, it was a Because Shangun poster. went left. Mobley yeah, was on like, his right and Shangun went left. So like he tried, but he just couldn't. So, and that's why to me, it was one of those things where it's like, you know, a true poster is where like the the guy gets like straight bodied, like while he's like under the rim. Right. And it's like, you know, contact all that, you know, so it's tough. I don't want to call it like a full blown poster, but it was a really uh, impressive you, if dunk. If you contest and you get banged on, that is a poster. All right. You know what? You're going to have to debate this in the comments on the YouTube's channel. Who, who was, was the Alper and Shingun dunk a poster on Evan Mobley? Yes or no. As much as I loved the dunk. Yes. I don't necessarily think it was a poster on Evan Mobley, but I do think, right. This was kind of one of those things where you look at what those two rookies have been able to do. And maybe this is the, like the, the start in a trend where they're able to start being themselves a little bit more again right like if it's kind of felt like alp especially since coming back from his injury has been a bit more timid with some of the stuff that he's attempted to do on the court and maybe that's maybe we attributed a little bit more to like he wasn't 100 coming back from the injury like working himself back into shape what, what what have you but he hasn't felt like the same alp like going with some of these you know flashy plays and making these reads and i think part of that's the team kind of learning how to be effective with him on the floor again after that you know gap of time where he wasn't out there because he's a very like playing with LP is tough. Like to be able, eh, I don't say tough. It's a different it dynamic get, when LP's on the floor. It takes some getting used to because you need to have high IQ. You can't, yeah. You can't just come out there with the mentality of like, yo, give me the rock on my ISO, boom, boom. Like you gotta. He when he has the ball, you have to respect his vision and and what he's waiting for to develop, and you got to make it happen. I think part of the reason that he struggled is he's played with DJ Augustine it seems like not at all since coming back from injury, probably very little. And DJ Augustine is one of the players that plays really well with him because he knows how to cut with Al P um, and Al P will find him. And so <clears throat> like Josh Christopher will play, he can cut and sometimes he does, but he likes to play ISO. Uh, there is a lot of, there are a lot of plays where KJ is just like holding his hand up for an open three. If KJ would cut more, he would finish Al P dime. So, and I also think part of it is the fact that last night he played with, starters he got put in the game and was playing with the right people he's not playing with the bench so if you're playing with like the shooters and the guys that can break you down off the dribble and score and the guys that can cut all of a sudden you can't just collapse on Al P and double team him every time right you have to now respect the other teammates and so I think that had something to do with it and then defensively you touched on it <clears throat> I mean he was solid Evan Mobley hit some really tough shots over him but Evan Mobley didn't just have his way with Al P. Al P shut him out in the first quarter when he came in after Evan Mobley started hot with like 10 and four or whatever on Christian Wood. Um, when he, he dunked on him and Mobley came back down and did like a little spin move that was nice and finished. And that was probably the cleanest move that Mobley made on him throughout the night. He had a couple of like, you know, fadeaways um, from like the elbow. I mean, tough shots that honestly, when Mobley took them, I didn't think they were going in really solid defense. He's really strong. And that's the other thing who knows if he'll grow more. We'll see. But you got to imagine he's only going to get stronger and possibly like slightly more athletic as he works out and gets like a, you know, an NBA training regimen. So I just think it, it really reminded me of summer league, right? Like in the summer league, Alpi and Jalen were balling and we were all geeking about it. And then we get to the league 
to the regular season. And Jalen's kind of this inconsistently used guy without the confidence that we saw. And Al P is inconsistent is a generous way to put it. You know, he's playing some nights, 17 minutes, some nights, eight minutes, some nights he comes in and just gets foul trouble and yanked. Like, but when they're actually allowed to just go out there and play, I think you would see this type of performance more often than not. And so, you know, I talked about this <clears throat> on the spaces after the game, but if you look at the shot distribution from from that game, it was it's it's just oddly even to the point where you got to imagine it's hard for these guys to get chemistry and rhythm and and confidence because it's all evenly dispersed in like a weird way, right? Christian Wood, fourteen shots. Eric Gordon, twelve shots. Kevin Porter Jr., eleven shots. Jalen Green, thirteen shots. Garrison Matthews, LOL, thirteen shots. You know, so so once. If trades happen and guys are able to just like get the ball and know like, hey, we're running it through you, do what you do, I think you'll see better better performances. Like I said, dude, Jalen Green can run a pick and roll. He's not Chris Paul on the pick and roll, but he can run a pick and roll. He knows how to make that slip pass. He knows how to make the bounce pass. He knows how to penetrate and kick it to the corner if the shooter's open. He just needs to be able to do those things. You know, when he gets the ball and he's he's trying to force it and he's like, okay, I got the ball. I got to do something with it. I'm 0 of 2 already. Uh, they're backing up. Shoot the three. You just fall into a funk, and you, you, it's really easy to become susceptible to just jacking up shots and not seeing them go in. So played 36 minutes, had the ball in his hands a lot. It also helps him having somebody who can set quality picks. I'm just going to throw that out there, right? Having no, Shingun out there setting quality picks. super true. If you go back and watch, there's there's times where Christian Wood, it's almost like he's setting a slip screen, you know, which means if you don't know what a slip screen means, it, it's basically where you go up to set a pick and you kind of, before you firmly set the pick, you crash to the basket you immediately roll to the basket it's like a fake pick kind of um but christian wood's actual picks look like s- slip screens right which is not yes. what you want whereas Al P will go seal the man off and then you know or, or firmly set the pick and then seal the man off on the roll which is how you set a pick and roll it's what you do so that all helps yeah all, i mean all, all the above it's just kind of infuriating that you know it t- took game 51 to see this type of thing <laughs> Game 51, you know, like we're two thirds of the way through the season. And then we see it. It feels hey, like some be- lost time. Better better late than never. And I will throw in this little advanced metric, even though it's uh, a tiny one game sample size, 11 minutes to be exact. But the Rockets with Christian Wood and Alper and Shingun sharing the floor together had an offensive rating of 139.1 <laughs> and a defensive rating of 97. It's pretty damn good. Now, granted, again, tiny That's sample last size, night? 11 minutes. That's last night. Yeah. Not half bad. Well, I mean, look, I, I don't I, – I'll say this. Uh, I'll go here. I don't really talk about Steven Silas much because I don't even know how to judge Steven Silas at this point because the team is, you know, it's just, just a young team. You got a lot of rookies, a lot of things he's trying to manage. I don't know to what extent he's got ideas that they just can't execute yet or – like, like I think you pointed or someone tweeted the clip of Josh Christopher before the end of the half, uh, before the end of the first quarter, Rockets get the ball with 20 seconds left and they could have milked the clock and gotten the last shot and ended the quarter at minimum up 32-28. But instead, Josh Christopher just put his head down and went to the basket and missed the layup. And then the Cavs got the ball and, and made a three. But if you look at that clip, Steven Silas is on the sideline like yelling for him to slow it down. Josh Christopher ignores him or doesn't hear him smokes the layup and then you just see Silas kind of hang his head like god damn it so I don't want to fully blame him because I don't know how hard it is to do what he's been doing right now but the one thing he's got control over is the minutes distribution and the the rotations and to wait 
So game 51 to give us that, first of all, is not my, my cup of tea. And then the comment he had about not playing Alpi and, and Shangun together, A, was weird. And then B, when it's backdoored with what you just said, right, the numbers you just provided, it's like, what <laughs> what are you, what were you looking at, Stephen? Because I don't, I'm not sure. So I do kind of just want to raise that. It's interesting to me uh, because I got this weird feeling that whatever they do in practice is not how they play in games. And I feel like maybe he bases things on practice and then in the games, it's just totally different, but I really have no clue. Um, but either way, man, shangun has got to play more. It's about that time, like last third of the season, get them out there, give Jalen the ball, develop these guys. Let's not waste this year. They're 19. They could take a leap. They could take a huge leap by the time we get to training camp in October of 2022, you know, and I don't want, <clears throat> I don't want to waste the time that we have. I want to see, I want to see more Jalen green, you know, 15, five and five, 25 and five. He had a 17, five and five. I think the other week he had a 21, five and five just last night. You know, I want to see more LP nine, eight, three, like let's, let's see these guys do what they do. Cause they can actually win basketball games. You know, we've only won 15 games on the season and one of them was doing, you know, what we did last night. So why not, why not try it more? No, I, I agree with you there. And hopefully based on the post-game comments from Steven Silas about being able to have Christian Wood and Al P share the floor a little bit more means we'll get more Al P minutes. And that means, you know, we'll get hopefully more developmental run for him in this latter half of this NBA season. And it won't be a wasted season, but Coming up, I want to dive into a little bit of uh, the struggles of our old friend James Harden and the Brooklyn Nets and kind of what that potentially means for the Houston Rockets moving forward. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, honestly, maybe even better than a candy bar. They've got so many amazing flavors to choose from. Strawberry, cookies and cream, mint brownie, peanut butter, my personal favorite, coconut brownie chunk. You can't go wrong with a single bar on their menu. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you're going to want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or gritty or the consistency is just a little bit off, and you can check them out. Just go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your very next order of the best tasting protein bars on the market. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, go check out Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Make a little money with Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling, free and available on all platforms. Now, we're going to navigate away from the Houston Rockets a little bit here to just talk about the struggles of the Brooklyn Nets riding a six game losing streak. I think it is now. I want to double check my numbers on that. Um, I believe it is a six game losing streak and I will be able to confirm that ever so shortly, but the struggles of, of James Harden on this season, six, six game losing streak. It's confirmed. Yeah. I beat you to the punch beat me to the punch. Wow. I'm just, you know, it's something about having to produce and host all at the same time. It's just, it's a lot going on over here, man. No. Uh, but, but seriously, this is a thing where, right. James Harden, forced his way out of Houston to go team up with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. And I, I can't help but just relish a little bit in the fact that the grass isn't always greener on the other side for James Harden, right? Like it was in the midst of this losing streak, right? James Harden and Kyrie Irving both had these comments the other night. I think it was after they lost to the Kings, was it? And 
like Harden was talking about the fact that, uh, or no, it was Kyrie who was like, you know, it's just tough because we don't have everybody here. Like, you know, once we get our, once we get our full roster all together and we have all the guys available, then we're going to be a different beast. And it's just like the cognitive dissonance to like make that comment for Kyrie Irving being his situation as the part-time player as is was just hilarious. And I think it just comes down to this, this Nets team has so many different like things going wrong all at the same time. Joe Harris has missed the entire season and, and Zach Lowe recently reporting that it's not even a given that he comes back or it doesn't even come back at a hundred percent. If he does come back this season, he so I'd have to get a second procedure is what I saw. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, and the fact that it, it would, again, all of this to mean, right. The, the rockets were flamed incessantly for taking the, you know, the swath of, of Brooklyn Nets picks instead of the bringing Harden, back a Ben Simmons. The or, Harden yeah. Stimmy. Yeah, exactly. The stimulus package. And now it's looking really damn good for the future of the Houston Rockets because this is almost best case scenario for what you could have hoped for when the Rockets took that trade deal and, and you know, got that King's ransom back for James Harden and, and the owning the Brooklyn Nets picks for the next decade is you would hope that the Nets were going to implode at some point. And for me, it was, you know, that first season I was like, all right, you know what? Go get your ring, James. Like I wasn't like actively cheering for him, but I was like, I have no vested interest in the season anymore. The Rockets are punting on the season. They're going to be a lottery team. You know what? Go get your ring, James. Because I was like, at that point, if he picks up the ring now and then they implode next year, it could still be best case scenario for the Rockets down the line. But they imploded that year. And it looks like they're kind of imploding again this year. And James Harden very may well walk this summer. And that would just be so hilarious, Roosh. I would, I would, I'm going to be insufferable on Twitter if it happens. So let's just start with some numbers, okay? Um, I know there's all the accounts. We appreciate and love some of those accounts that you know, they'll give you the the hardened highlight numbers and say, he'll be fine, you know, or he'll be back. Don't worry. Don't overreact. Blah, 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 blah. But uh, this season with the Nets, he is averaging some career lows or close to career lows. And let's, let's run through a few of those. Um, he's shooting 16 attempts per game from the field, 16 per game. Okay. Um, I'm just looking at the box. Or I'm looking at basketball reference. That is the lowest since his last year in OKC, number one. So I would imagine that speaks to some of his lack of assertiveness, assertion. Um, you know, I follow some of the Nets beat writers like Alex Sturm and Matt Brooks and and Billy Reinhardt, and they um they were all basically making those comments that some of us would make where we would say, man, he's dogging it. You know, he's not trying. James Harden needs to be benched or, you know, whatever. We, we, we had those phases everyone I'm sure remembers. And now they're having them in year two, which – um, is pretty concerning, I would imagine. Lowest field goal percentage, 41.4%. Lowest field goal percentage since he was a rookie, okay? Uh, the second lowest after his – or the, that is the second lowest of his career. The the lowest after or above where he's at right now, he's at 41.4%. I'm just going to go through manually. It is 43.6% his sophomore season. In Houston, the worst he had was 43.8%. And he's shooting 41.4%. That is significant on the lowest amount of attempts. He's shooting a career low percentage from three, 33%. Career low. Um, let's see. Free throw attempts. He's getting to the line eight times a game. So I guess that's good. Good for him, which is funny because, you know, there was the whole thing about the new rules or whatever. But eight times a game is, if you don't count last season, it's the lowest since his last season in Oklahoma City. 
uh, points per game, 22.5. His lowest since his last season in Oklahoma City. <laughs> like, I mean, all, all the just across the board, the numbers have been so abysmal for him. And hold on, and, hold on, hold on, yeah. hold on. TS percentage, 57.6%, which is good above league average. I mean, very solid. If Jalen Green had that TS, we'd all go crazy. His lowest since sophomore season. Um, no, since his rookie season. Uh, in in Oklahoma City, usage is the lowest it's been since you know I don't know like eight years. Like this is this is serious stuff. I mean he's not playing well. And then when you combine that with the criticisms of him from the fans saying like Hey man I think he's dogging it, or I don't think you know we got to bench James Harden. It's it's really funny and it's funny to think you know the grass it's a it's a life lesson. The grass is not always greener. He wanted he got what he wanted, and lo and behold Katie's injured. Lo and behold, Kyrie was being a diva and, you know, is a part-time employee at the moment. Uh, Blake Griffin is over the hill. LaMarcus Aldridge is injured. Joe Harris is injured. It's like the James Harden curse. I mean, at this point, it's like maybe he maybe he just is cursed. And he's playing with with guys I don't even really know. Kessler Edwards. Uh, Patty Mills is his number two option. Well, I guess his number three. Kyrie is his number two. You know, they're, they're playing heavy minutes for James Kyrie Johnson. Kyrie is his number two on road games. <laughs> yeah, on road games. Playing heavy minutes for James Johnson. You know, and then you and then you have the thing like the hand strain. Um, you know, it's not my place to talk about whether he's faking an injury or anything. I don't think that's the case. He's always been like an Iron Man, but you just you just who strains their hand? I don't even know what that means, right? And he missed a game because of it. And he played probably his worst game of the season last night. Two of eleven, four points, four points for James Harden, four points in thirty-seven minutes. I mean, we know what he's like when he's not assertive, right? O of five from three, so that means he was. Uh, two of six from the field. He took six shots other than threes, right? Pretty much almost half of his shots were threes. He's being lazy, not getting to the line. Um, and we know that version of him where he's just sitting back and passing and like kind of basically, basically his passive aggressive way of showing the team or organization he's with like, hey, guess what, dude? If I don't go all out, this is what you get. And we lose to the Sacramento Kings. So like, don't forget who's the man here, um, which on one hand, I, I I feel it. I get him. On the other hand, you, you just don't want to be in that situation as like a contending, an alleged contender, right? So I'm still not counting the Nets out. <clears throat> if, if KD comes back, I think they're still going to be dangerous, and that's really all they need, KD, and they'll be dangerous. But uh, we don't know when he'll come back, and if Joe Harris is really still out, if they don't do something at the trade deadline, their bench stinks. Um, and I don't think they're necessarily going to be better than Miami or, you know, um, Chicago, even maybe I don't know, Milwaukee maybe I don't know. You know, it, it's it's so funny because when you look at the standings, you've got the Brooklyn Nets sitting at sixth right now in the Eastern Conference. If they fall into the play-in tournament, then it's actually I I, I am so just praying that the Nets find themselves as the seventh seed because that means they would have to play two at home playing games without Kyrie Irving. If New York doesn't ban, doesn't ban the, uh, the restriction on, you know, vaccinated players and or vaccinated, you know, individuals indoors, whatever the specific wording is on it. Right. Basically the, the law that's keeping Kyrie Irving out of home games. And that would be just absolutely hilarious. If the Nets have to win two home games back to back to make it out of the play in to then also 
have to play in a in a playoff series again with you know minimal amounts of Kyrie Irving because it's optimal for them right now as dumb as it sounds for them to be a fifth or a sixth seed because then you you get more Kyrie Irving in a seven game series at this point but you're also straddling that fence of risking it falling down to the seventh seed and then on top of that if they at any point face the Toronto Raptors in a playoff series uh, it means no Kyrie Irving at all because you can't travel to Canada unless you're vaccinated right now so oh that God. would be a whole nother layer of just whole like oh my god if that were to actually happen and so like i'm just i would love to see some of that happen just for the sheer drama of it all i want no, to i would absolutely happen. love to see it happen listen at the end of the day houston controls brooklyn's draft through what 2027 yeah um that's a long time from now so don't forget that and i'm a rockets fan dude thank hey harden thanks for what you did we appreciate it we should have had a ring in 2018 but you did what you did you're gone and it is what it is man i mean i don't think if, if this goes poorly for him if, if brooklyn doesn't bounce back and win it all or if they don't bounce back and make like the conference finals and then you know they all re-sign and, and they have another hoorah with it if it falls apart I don't think history is ever going to look back at a star caliber player of his level with less sympathy he had Chris Paul in Houston he ran him out okay and I don't want to reignite that debate but listen to me he ran him out okay you can say whatever you want about Chris Paul's performance yeah that's true he had a bad Season, he was playing hurt, should have gone vegan a year earlier. I won't talk about any of that. At the end of the day, he's a Hall of Fame legend, great point guard, one of the greatest point guards ever. <clears throat> Just took the Phoenix, the baby Phoenix Suns to the freaking finals and has them poised to do it again. So that's James Harden's fault, okay? We're fans. We can talk about, oh, this, this, that. He was with them every single day. He knows the point guard, okay? If you're a leader and you are that guy that Harden thinks he is or thought he was, you find a way to get the most out of Chris Paul. You don't box him out. If you think he needs to get in shape on your level, say, hey, dude, get on my level. Come with me. I'll get you there. Let's do it together, right? Especially because at the time, they had the most success with each other as far as like being main players. Harden went to the finals as a bench player. but So he, he ran him out of Houston. And it's like he just can't escape CP3's ghost that's just haunting him right now, right? And then in, in, in the process of running CP3 out of Houston, he forced the Rockets to basically mortgage their the future of their franchise, and then he bailed on that in one year. One year. And now, when he bailed on that, he basically forced Brooklyn, or not forced, but he basically you know, enticed Brooklyn to mortgage the future of their franchise in order to get him back to back. Um, and so if he bolts and it, and it doesn't work out, he might be one of the dumbest NBA superstars as far as you know, team decision-making goes possibly the dumbest ever ran from the point guard for Russell Westbrook went to the nets, looked good on paper. And then if, you know, if, if it collapses, which I still don't think it will, but if it collapses, then what, who's, who's going to want him then, you know? So Daryl Morey and the 76ers, that's who, but they're not, but I think, but here's the, here's the caveat. Daryl Morey and the 76ers aren't about to like, leverage the next decade of picks that they have to try and get James Harden, right? He's trying to be underhanded about it to, to get James Harden to just walk away in free agency, sign him outright, whatever. And so if Maury finally two years later gets his guy to pair with Joel Embiid, I think you do have to take the 76ers a little seriously, but that would be just a masterclass by Daryl Morey to have not caved to originally Rafael Stone's demands for the gigantic trade, you know, requirement for James Harden, and then to just bide his time with Joel Embiid and the whole Ben Simmons situation to get to a point where they could make a move potentially for James Harden this upcoming summer. 
but I don't know, man. It's uh, if you can't win a chip with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, yeah, they've dealt with you know their you know hodgepodge of injuries, and they haven't exactly been healthy. They struggled last season. This season, they've got a lot going on. It's still it's that's a huge indictment on Harden, I think. Yeah, I mean, dude, he's he's stuck back in the same place, carrying a random a roster of randoms. You know, he the, everything he wanted to get away from, he can't escape it in Brooklyn. I mean, how many games have Kyrie and KD and, and Harden played together? Like twenty something. Maybe if I'm wrong that, about that. If that. Right? Now, here's the reality, <clears throat> and, and this is the, the likely scenario. Um, yes, they're the sixth seed. They're only three games out of first. So all it takes is KD coming back or Kyrie, you know, catching a groove and an easy schedule, and they go on a five-game win streak. All of a sudden, they're right back in the thick of things and right back in the mix, and that's what I think is going to happen. Um, but – if it doesn't, you know, the, the, the East is tight. Five games separate first and ninth. Seven games separate first and tenth. I mean, eight games separate first and eleventh. It's not that many. Eight and a half games separates first and twelfth, the more I look at it. So it's, it's it's a pretty pretty tight race. But but yeah, I mean, if it collapses and doesn't work, at some point you got to ask, is James Harden the unluckiest player superstar ever? Uh, is he the dumbest as far as team decision-making goes? Or is it just some weird combination of both? Because everywhere he goes bad luck seems to just chase him. Um, and the one scenario he had that was tailor-made for awesomeness for him, he willingly destroyed, you know? And that's, that's something, if you follow me at all, you know, I'll never forgive him for that. Um, he was the catalyst that forced all of that. You can blame Maury, you can blame ownership and all that. Everyone's got their their share of blame. But no one does anything if James Harden doesn't tell them, hey, do it or I'm out. Um, and we saw the proof in the pudding a year later, he said, okay, I'm out. <laughs> and we saw when he decided he's out, we saw what happens, right? He ghosted a franchise, dude, and then quit on the court. So that's on him, and he's going to have to deal with that. He's, he's going to have to put up or shut up, unfortunately for him. Man, it's going to be interesting to see how that whole situation kind of unravels with the Brooklyn Nets. I'm going to be paying close attention to it because, again, I, I want the best for this Houston Rockets organization because, at my heart, I am a Rockets fan. And so I well, want the thing. those picks to be as juicy as possible. Exactly. And if they, and look, if, right now I think they're like the, it would be the 21st pick or something. Yeah. Um, let me look at the league standings. Right now the Nets have the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, the 10th best record in the league, okay? Um, the teams directly behind them, there's three teams, Dallas, Denver, and Toronto, that only have one more loss than Brooklyn. So if Brooklyn keeps skidding and those teams pick it up, all of a sudden Brooklyn's got the 13th or 14th best best record in the league, right? And, and then if we're talking like a 17, 18, 19, 20 pick, I think that's where the Rockets are now – working with some juice and they can package that pick to move up in the draft or they can package that pick for a player, you know, like the more, the higher that pick goes or the lower, I guess, um, higher, lower, however you want to look at it, the more valuable it is for the Rockets, but it gives them more flexibility too. It's not necessarily just, Hey, we get to draft higher. It's, Oh, now this pick is valuable to certain teams that might be looking to trade out of where they're at, or that might be looking for a trade partner for a certain player. So all of that becomes, comes into play. And, uh, We'll see, man. I'm still not counting on it, but if it continues, then good news for Rockets fans. And, and hopefully in about a year or two, we look back at that trade and just laugh at Brooklyn. So we'll see. You almost you almost started to laugh right there. You got that little shit-eating grin on your face just talking about, man, if it does, like your eyes lit up like Christmas there for a I mean, I'm telling moment. you, it's, it's, I just think it's so unlikely. And at the end of the day, Brooklyn can pay him the most money. 
um, whether he wants to be there or not. So like, I just don't see him leaving the money. So we'll I, think that, we'll... I think they'll work it out, but if they don't, oof, if they don't. <laughs> with that, that's a good spot. That's a good spot for us to go ahead and, uh, you know, kind of wrap things up. Roosh, you know, the drill, let everybody know where to, where to track you down at. Uh, well, my name says Roosh Tilliams. Um, <laughs> Tilbo Baggins, baby. So if you want to find me on Twitter, Roosh Williams, you know, the drill, it's right there. It's right there. There. No. So, um, <laughs> so go ahead, click it, follow me, whatever we're doing a spaces tomorrow. Um, or by the time you're listening to this, we're doing a spaces today at 12 PM central. Um, doing a rockets watch party in the freezing cold at urban South brewery Friday night, 7 PM against the Spurs. It should be fun. I'll be there. Jackson will be there. Um, we should see some other faces. I think Ben Dubose might be there. I think Bima thug might be there. And who knows who else. So come out to that. And thanks for having me, dude. Always a, always a pleasure. Absolutely, man. Always a pleasure to have you on the pod. Thank you so much for stopping by. Our double. That's going to do it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed our weekly catch up with Roosh Williams. Sorry you missed it last week. I was under the weather, all that good stuff, but I am 100% now. That's going to do it for this pod. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, brand new Odyssey app. Free and available on all platforms. Also, check out the Noble and Roosh show, Noble Ampersand, Roosh, ballislife.com. Wherever you listen to your podcast, you can catch this podcast, that podcast, wherever you're listening to them. Also, check out the YouTube channel. Search Locked on Rockets on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.